Good evening. This is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundance Success Series. Our primetime mastermind that promotes empowered, focused, decisive action and inspired outcome. Our spotlight is on innovation and economics in the African-American community in the 21st century. My guest is Make It Plain host, Mark Thompson. He is on Sirius XM and a longtime political and social activist. He gives his insight on where we are in our ancestral history, social standing and social action, education, and we also talk about the economy. Fantastic segment. Let's get to it. Mark Thompson, welcome. How are you doing today? Just fine. How are you? I'm doing just great. I'm honored to have you on as an activist and uh, show host. I want you to tell our audience a bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do. Well, let's see uh, where to begin. Right now, I'm the host of Make It Plain on Sirius XM Left 127. Uh, and we deal primarily uh, with politics. And i um, been doing that for quite a few years now and having a lot of fun at it. I've always tried to use my radio show as a, a tool for activism, a, a tool for mobiliz- mobilization. I prefer to think of myself doing do radio rather than talk radio. Yes. So I'm, in, I'm enjoying that a lot. Well, of course. Well, that's what I know you from. I know you as an activist. And uh, I really respect your opinion as to what's going on, not only politically, about what's going on economically, because I believe uh, the millennials and uh, even pre-millennials now have to reinvent themselves economically in terms of not just entrepreneurship, but politically. What do you say to that? Well, I, I think that's true, and but maybe reinventing means uh, going back to our roots. You know, I, I don't think that the the wheel so much needs to be reinvented. We need to take a refresher course on some of the things we've done in the past and the success of um, of some of those things we've done in the past. Um, and that includes reconnecting with our history and our culture and understanding uh, why it's so necessary especially for African Americans, uh, to work together in unity and try to come up with sort of a collective frame of mind when it comes to economics and politics. We've got double-digit African American unemployment. We've got disproportionate less access to a lot of resources to go into business and survive than other people do precisely because we we don't work together. And I don't, I, I don't think the mentality that somehow we are in a post-racial environment. I, I don't believe we are. I don't, I, and I don't think buying into it is a good mentality. And I also don't think um, that that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I think we need to get back to understanding how important it is for us to work together. Other cultures do it, and they don't have to apologize for it. Why should we? I 100% agree there. Where do you believe that we start? Because we're the most educated or at least have access to education, information you can get on the internet at the library. What do you think's going on since our parents and their parents worked to get us here and that we have the access? Why do you think people aren't utilizing the resources? Well, I, I think that um, we are now have a lot, we've now allowed ourselves 
to be absorbed into the dominant culture. And uh, frankly, I'm not sure that that dominant culture anymore is is simply white per se. Mm-hmm. In America, I think we are all victims of consumerism. We are part of one big consumer culture. So whatever makes the most noise, whatever is the shiniest, whatever can be repeated to us over and over again is what we're attracted to. And um, when it comes to African-American history and culture and perspective, that's not what's sold. That's not what's promoted. That's not the thing that's talked about all the time. And I think that's the problem. We go for, in a consumer culture, you go for the latest thing. You go for that which is put in front of you. You end up wanting and needing and desiring that you never really wanted and needed and desired because you're a consumer. And we're told that's what we got to have. We're told that's what we need. And uh, we buy into it. It's it's very difficult to resist. And frankly, to me, it's it's almost an addiction. And again, all of us suffers from it. We have to somehow either figure out a way uh, to get uh, our real culture, our real history, and our accomplishments in the conversation, or figure out a way to break off from being controlled by consumerism. Okay, we've got a lot of uh, cultures in America, a big melting pot. I have friends who are Scottish, Irish, Finnish, uh, you name it, you know, uh, but they learn about their cultures from their family. They learn about their culture from somewhat a community. Uh, even if they don't live around other people of that ethnicity, they have societies and whatnot where they teach, uh, you know, what happened back when. We don't necessarily have that. How do you think that uh, we can get back to who we really are? Well, the reason that those other cultures have it is because it was never kept from them. It was natural. It was something that was handed down and handed down. We, uh, I was just on the phone a while ago with the head of AfricanAncestry.com. You know, one of the problems is we have lost our minds, literally. We've lost our ancestral memory as an African people. That was by design. That was one of the uh, 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 strategies in terms of, of racism, white supremacy, and slavery, that we would be disconnected from our ancestral homeland and even disconnected from our own families here in this country as we, would, as we were torn asunder and sold from plantation to plantation to plantation. So other cultures, European cultures uh, in this melting pot, have that advantage over us. And I think in terms of restoring it, we have to first acknowledge it. We have to first acknowledge that it is important, that it is, in fact, missing. I don't think that's something we've necessarily embraced and accepted. We Again, we tend to go along. We tend to function. We tend to accept things as they are. But we have to come up with an understanding of why it's so critical to restore our ancestral memory, why it's so critical to go back and take a look at who we are and find out who we are, why should we have an interest in that, as a matter of fact. And a lot of us have not even been educated as to that. 
Now, uh, you know, Malcolm X said it best. You can't put kittens in the oven and they come out biscuits. We have been put in the oven and we've come out <laughs> something else, so we think. But really, who are we and, and what are we as a people? And we have to decide for ourselves that we are interested um, uh, in finding out those truths. In finding out those truths, uh, not only where we've come from, we as a people and uh, together with many others have built this country. And uh, things have happened within the last few hundred years. Many African Americans have, uh, you know, at least seven or eight generations to go back to and helping to build this country. Should we not also embrace that? In, in, embrace other other cultures that helped build this country? No, embrace the people that we that 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 have uh, made it possible in our generation. Our generation. Oh yes, You know, say you you may have people that were in this country eight, nine, ten generations ago. Should we not be proud of what we've done here in America? No, no, no. Of course, no, of course we should, mm-hmm. but. I think to even have a greater appreciation of what we've done here in America, we first got to acknowledge that what we've done here in America, um, to a large extent, really was not our choice. Those of us right. who are descendants of African people need to understand that even doing what we did here in America, as successful as that was, shows an adaptation to a situation. And even as we adapted, we excel. That is an right. incredible uh, uh, accomplishment. But I don't separate the two. Uh, I, I, I think that what is best, and you mentioned some of the other European cultures, people don't separate their history and lineage uh, based on shores uh, when it comes to other cultures. You know, that whatever that culture is, it's reflected not only here in America, but in what they would call the old country, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to do the same. It needs to be holistic, uh, and it needs to be circular. Do you believe, because we don't know who we are, we have uh, not only the unemployment situation, we've got more than half of the uh, African-American males not even graduating from high school. What do you say to that? That should not even be happening. No, it shouldn't. And but but I but I also I mean that the school issue mm-hmm. is 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 a, is a little bit different. I believe that uh, education in this country overall, for all children, not just African American children, is woefully inadequate and it's not up to date. You can't have kids sitting in a classroom, um, uh, listening to a lecture essentially from some boring, random personality, to be frank with you, writing on a chalkboard, and then go home and be stimulated by all of the modern technologies they have at their disposal, uh, from smartphones to the Internet to iPads to Kindles, Nooks, whatever you want to call it, um, um, Arch, this is an electronic generation. This is a digitally savvy generation. This is a digital generation. And the classroom, I think, frankly, should reflect that. And until that happens, you're not going to have kids that's selling in school the way they used to because the technology 
has made the usual classroom learning experience obsolete and uninteresting and uninspiring. And I think that that is having the most profound effect, not only on our children, but all children, in terms of what they are learning and not learning. 100% agree there. As for the economy, and I wanted to end with uh, the economy, because African Americans have always, people have always had to, you know, find a way to make ends meet. Um, Even coming out of the whole slavery system, we had to do other things other than, I guess, day work. Um, What do you say to that now that we have this double-digit unemployment? uh, I know growing up not that long ago, my parents, my mom, and my grandmom did other work beside a nine-to-five job. They had careers, you know, whether it be real estate or whether it be, you know, uh, having a, you know, a fish fry, something, you know, to bring in extra money. What do you say? Well, I mean, I, I think people are still doing that, but again, to, to go to a point you just made about us, you know, coming up with our own means of making money, one of the reasons we were able to do that coming out of slavery and on through Jim Crow and on through segregation was because we spent our money with ourselves. We turned the dollar over in our own community. If we yeah. don't do it, who will? If we don't do it, who will? Uh, other cultures don't spend money in the African-American community. Um, um, they're not interested in it. That's not something that is a part of American culture. Let me go and spend money with this African-American business. This just doesn't happen. Uh, it, it's not even reflexive. It's not even automatic. What is more reflexive and what is more automatic is to shun African-American economics, shun African-American business. That's on the, parts of white, on the part of whites and even African-Americans. We many times don't trust one another. We don't have enough regard for one another to want to um, spend our money and, and our resources with each other. Um, and and, and that, it's really incredible and extraordinary uh, that that has happened. That's almost become reflexive and automatic. We, the, in America, the white man's ice is still colder. We must figure out a way to change that relationship, to change uh, that paradigm. Other cultures have come into this country and taken full advantage of that and come into our own community and made themselves rich off of our community because of our inability to uh, share with ourselves and turn dollars over within our own community. To me, that is a direct result of the ongoing vestiges of slavery. It is a direct result of the ongoing vestiges of the loss of ancestral memory. If you don't know your ancestral memory, you don't know your self-worth. You don't know your self-esteem. You do not seek self-determination. And that is, to me, one of our ongoing problems. In terms of economy, we don't spend money with ourselves. We we do go to other, uh, you know, communities, whatnot. One thing, though, that stands out is entertainment. We spend so much as consumers on entertainment. And also within the media, the basketball or some sort of uh, reality show or whatever, it, it's nothing really edifying going on in terms of messaging. What do you think of that dynamic where 
It seems like the entertainment is pushed. You'll hear about that in the media, but you won't hear about the brother who is the architect who's uh, doing something on the south side to build a whole community. Uh, again, uh, we live in a consumer culture in this country, and entertainment is a part of consumerism. That which is pushed is a form of immediate gratification. That which sells, everybody wants to uh, see a star, be a star, live that American dream. And for many of us as African Americans, it's often easier to invest in that uh, because it gives one that immediate feel-good uh, gratification to invest in something of our own and have to overcome years, centuries, generations of self-doubt and a lack of self-interest in our own is it, it, it incredible. So it's very, very hard to overcome. So it was easier. Let me go to the game. Let me go to the show. Let me let me do all of that. Uh, and that's a form of immediate gratification. Of course, we have African-American athletes and entertainers, but here's the reality. We think we're supporting them, but we're not. We don't even control the space where our African-American athletes and entertainers thrive. Even that is not controlled by us. They're, they're often used as main attractions. We spend our money, but others still benefit from them, and it doesn't go back into our community. How is it that the, athlete, the uh, 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 professional sports and entertainment industries have so many African Americans, yet um, those industries are not creating the kinds of jobs that would drive down the percentage of African American unemployment? So that in and of itself is is a contradiction. But again, we live in this con consumerized culture. We live in a culture of consumerism, and so that's easy to sell, easy to push, easy to uh, get people to respond to. Uh, and it's um, it, it it's sort of comfort consumerism because it makes you feel good. I live in New York. Uh, oh my God, the New York Knicks now are winning, and the whole <laughs> everything, the whole world has stopped. Up here, and I'm a Knicks fan. I'm glad the Knicks are, are winning, but that's not going to set us free. It makes us feel good for the moment, and even makes us forget about the long-term struggle, about what it will take, the eternal vigilance it will take to really get us where we need to be. That's too heavy. That's too hard. That's too overwhelming. So let me right now just enjoy the New York Knicks last night uh, in a basketball game, or let me just go on Valentine's Day to hear Cedric the Entertainer. That mm -hmm. feels good right now, and that's what gets me through. I wanted to ask, what's up for Mark Thompson? I know you as an activist and uh, whatnot. Tell us what you're doing now. Well, aside from doing the radio show, I continue to do a lot of work in support of the NAACP, the National Action Network, some of the organizations uh, that I'm involved in. Um, um, and uh, we're getting ready now, as a matter of fact, to take our annual trip to Selma. And for the first time, uh, we're going to march, uh, not just symbolically across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, but uh, the entire week uh, beginning March 4th, march all the way from Selma to Montgomery and uh, recreate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s steps uh, in support of ending some of these voter suppression um, uh, tactics and strategies that are going on throughout the country 
that could disenfranchise millions of African Americans and more people, uh, and also to stand up against the racist and xenophobic immigration law in Alabama. So I'm actually getting in shape to march for 54 miles from Selma to Montgomery and, and, and looking forward to it. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll probably see you there. I plan to be there myself. Yeah, uh, a lot of people right now are coming from all over the country and all over the world. There are people coming from That's England, right. Germany, Africa. It's, a, it's a, a national event. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Is there anything you wanted us to, that wanted to leave our audience with? Well, none other than um, you know we, as the, as President Douglas said, we must remain eternally internally vigilant in our struggle, and we must stand on the shoulders of our ancestors not forgetting where we come from in order to get to where we're going. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for having me.